Bulabanaka! Welcome everyone to This Week in Mormons. I am Jeff Openshaw, your intrepid host and founder. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us this week. Uh, we hope you'll follow us at thisweekinmormons.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already. And I'll always request that you leave us a review wherever you get podcasts. It does wonders for our visibility and largesse, if I may say so. Anywho, enough of that. Uh, Jared Gillens is here. What's up, man? Hey, here I am. How are you doing? I'm, How's life? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm excited. It is the Christmas. Well, nay, it is the Advent season. Merry Advent, Jeff. Thank you very much. I bought an Advent calendar for my kids today, as a matter of fact, for $1. Nice. Yes, pieces of chocolate, that sort of thing, you know. Cool. Well, I was actually th- talking more about the liturgical Advent, you know, where you focus on the you themes of Advent. Tell me what, why don't you tell our listeners what like liturgical means, but like explain it like for them, like in case they don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, and let me, let me clarify like, a little bit. Like, like, like not, those I, people. I, right. Me, so for them. liturgical, I guess, refer, I, I'm not a bit an expert by any means, but it refers to, as far as I know it, to the practices, especially, and, and it's often used in, as a, as a, as an adjective to modify the word calendar. Uh, so like, so Catholics and Protestants, many many Protestant denominations use a liturgical calendar, which basically kind of delineates for them certain feast days. Many of our listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with the concept of Lent, building up, you know, the Ash Wednesday, you know, there's Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, right? And right. then Ash Wednesday, and then there's this period of Lent uh, leading up to the Feast of Easter. Uh, that's all part of like the liturgy, the liturgical calendar. Um and so, you know, I guess Joseph Smith uh, didn't really feel like we needed to partake of that. And so he didn't establish um, any kind of liturgy, that, especially not the Catholic slash Protestant liturgy that uh, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ and other denominations follow. That's not to say it's a bad thing to do. So I, I, interestingly, somebody pointed me towards a book by Eric Christensen a couple of years ago. It's called uh, Good Tidings of Great Joy. And he introduces the idea of as Latter-day Saints that we could observe some liturgical practices. And like, he's like, you know, a great way to prepare for Christmas, prepare, prepare your heart and mind spiritually is to observe Advent. And he gives some recommendations on how Latter-day Saints can kind of form their own Advent traditions, but by also incorporating other, you know, some of the, the traditional things that other Christians do. So, uh, you know, many Christians use an Advent wreath, which you lay flat on your table and you put, four candles uh, on the inside rim of it. And they're usually purple or purple and pink. Like one of them sometimes is pink, but they represent different things. Like, so every week of Advent and Advent starts the fourth Sunday before Christmas, which was yesterday. Uh, and every week you focus on a different theme. So the, the first theme of Advent, and again, and some traditions changes these up, you know, the order, but uh, it starts with hope. So my wife and our, and her aunt that, that we live with right now, uh, we had a little, uh, opening Advent thing last night where we read different scriptures from the New Testament, and Old Testament, Book of Mormon about hope and hope in Christ. And then we sang, O Come, o come Emmanuel, which is a very hopeful Christmas uh, hymn. And we, um, yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. And every week you light the candle that you lit the previous week and then another one for the next theme. So the next theme is love. And then the next one is joy. And I can't remember the last one, but there's four. Anyway, so Advent, yeah, like it's a way to center yourself. And a lot of people love to be like, do that whole like, we're building up to Christmas and starting on December 13th, we're going to start doing the 12 days of Christmas. That's but not I hate, the 12 days of Christmas. I hate to break it to you people. The 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas Day. That's the first day of Christmas. And it, again, it, the 12 days of Christmas, that's also a liturgical thing, right? It builds up to the Feast of Epiphany on January 6th. January 6th, yeah. Uh, so, well, the 12th day is actually January 5th. So you get like, I don't know, Epiphany Eve, I guess. I don't know if that's a thing. But uh, yeah, 12 Days of Christmas. So, you know, sorry, sorry, 12 Days of Christmas. Don't start no Christmas. But if you want to start doing things like that in preparation, you can start even earlier than 12 days. You can start yesterday and observe Advent. And you can have an Advent calendar and eat little pieces of chocolate or open little miniature Lego sets or whatever Advent calendar you have. But uh, I love Advent because, you know, it's a good way to center yourself on Christ and the different you know, gospel oriented themes of the Christmas season, like hope and joy and love. So anyway, I haven't ever done it before, but I'm, I am stumping for Advent as a Latter-day Saint Christian. And I highly recommend Eric Christensen's book. Uh, everybody should check it out. It's called Good Tidings, Great Joy. And it's a good way to, you know, get yourself in the mindset. So anyway, 
Well, thank you. I think that's a wrap. I think this that. is an episode, Jeff. That was a great... You know, the funny thing with um, 12 Days of Christmas, I don't think I knew what they were either until my mission because in uh, in a lot of Latin American countries and Catholic countries, uh, Epiphany, January 6th, is a very big day in many of these cultures. And I had no idea what this was. And even within church members who care about Christmas, no, 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 no. January 6th was like the big gift day. It's the day you celebrated those Reyes Magos, right? Yeah, it's, the, it's traditionally the day that the, the three wise men or the magi or the kings or whatever the, you My favorite them. thing about Reyes Magos translates basically to king wizards, which is yeah. a great name. That's just yeah. the best. Um, yeah, like the, the word wizard, magi, like, you know, a lot of people in tr- a lot of traditions, you know, actually like think of them as astrologers, that the reason why they were able to recognize the stars because they were so versed in reading the stars and so yeah these are wizard astrologer types maybe <laughs> and the most the most awkward thing of it though is like the bishopric it's three wise men it's perfect for a bishopric to dress up as the wise men and like give gifts to the kids in the ward but inevitably really? one of them puts on blackface to look like um oh no to be uh, balthazar yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so i didn't think much of it at the time but now in our little more our more woke existence 20 years later it's kind of like well I don't know if you should do that. I don't put it past yeah. Spaniards to continue doing that and not caring at all because that's their special version of woke. But uh, right. yeah, that was fun. that was. I've got some great pictures of just a totally white Spanish man just black facing it up. It's it, well, they do that in the Netherlands too, right? With the the black. Oh yeah, the, uh, yeah, thing. black. Yeah, it, it is very much. Yeah, it's um a what's what's there's a specific word like a it's a gollywog type thing where it's like this caricature of a black person who is a villain who you know is sort of the opposite to sinterklaas or you know whoever uh you know father christmas whatever you want to call him anyway but there has been a, like uh, some sort of cultural strife i've read in the netherlands in the last few years because there are are some actual kind of woke people who are like you know we really shouldn't be wearing blackface and then there's these very firmly cemented in tradition people who are like don't tell us what to do this is fine it's innocent it's just part of our culture blah 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 so it it's happening all over the world jeff everyone's struggling. Oh, no i'm sure it is yeah no doubt well it's fun to have the christmas season upon us now now that thanksgiving is behind us um i hope all of you listening had a great thanksgiving those of you in the united states um ours was fine low-key you know nothing crazy as thanksgiving in the time of covid is uh jared did you do anything thrilling or over the top for thanksgiving did you go to black friday sales the day i after? did not i never go. Yeah, i mean yeah. i'll do i'll shop the online uh, we actually got a really good deal on a combination we needed my my wife needed a well not need like i thought she needed you know need is a relative term here but she needed a new phone and a new smartwatch and we ended up finding a really good black friday deal that bundled the two together and Saved a few, like, yeah, at least $200 on the whole thing. So it was good. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, commercialism. Woo! That's the fun time we're in. So this time, this year, of course, as in any year, but I think especially in 2020, we need to do our best to remember the, you know, the reason for the season, as we well, say. Uh, well, Jeff, can't we, I mean, is it not possible to mix like a capital capitalist impetus with the spreading of the word and the, the good news. I mean, one can. I mean, one could. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that we actually have a story relevant to that. Vaguely. Question. I mean, some could argue that's what we're doing. Even <laughs> that's true. I, Although, but I, I mean, gonna... yeah, I, actually, it's just funny. My brother uh, was listening to one of your shows and he like started looking into like, you know, how long you've been around and like how many shows you've done. And he's like, has Jeff tried to monetize this? And I was like, well, I know he's got like a... Um, what do you call it? Patreon. And he, you know, he uses it yeah, kind of like pay, would, would pay for like the server yeah. costs and things like that. And, and my brother's like, no, like, I think, you know, he's like, you know, you got, you know, you mentioned Reed's dairy and they sent you like a, a nice little thank you. when you, when you meant when you just mentioned them without even setting anything up, he's like, you guys could get some sponsors. You could really be making some more money with Reed's them. dairy should be sponsoring us. Come on, Reed's. Let's <laughs> anyway, and I was like, I don't know. I'll ask Jeff if he wants to do. That. I didn't. Even, I didn't even intend to bring it up on the show. But I, I'm um, all for monetizing the show and not even care and inundating everybody with ads. It's just like I never have bothered to take the time to chase any of that down and deal with it. That's literally all it is. It's just where's that. your where is your entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit, Jeff? It's it died with COVID. I don't know. It's uh, it exists. It just takes time. Like especially if you're hunting down actual uh, actual plugs spots on a podcast which is a totally great thing to do like that 
unless you're hiring a firm to do it for you, but when you're smaller time, like we are, that's not usually, that's kind of a non-starter. So you just, you're hunting down businesses and trying to get it done. I'm uh-huh. happy to bring on, to bring on anyone who wants to sell, uh, sell ad time to the show. I'm ha- I'll happily give you like a cut or something. So do whatever. I, you, you, are you listening J dogs? Come on. J-Dogs. I, I crowdsource you know you so many things on this show. I mean, the very fact that we have the Twin Sisters is because I said, I, if anybody else wants to record programs, you know, I'm receptive to it. So I'm just letting you all know, you know that you could you could help out the cause. Not that I want to inundate everybody with ads, but yeah, sure. I mean, the goal, if I could buy an Xbox a month, oh man. There's <laughs> that, the that's the dream, isn't it? Right there. Get a PS5 and a PS4. With, with and all of three, these. You wrote a pyramid out of them. All the PSs. Yes. Dating back even even uh, like unto the first. So we digress. But as you were saying, yes, Jared, tell me about influencers and evangelism. And so money. yeah, this was this was interesting. This was a an article that ran in the Desert News, and they were talking about wait, who is this? This was I like to give credit Tam, Tamara Kem, Kemsley of the Desert News, a that contributor to the Desert News. That is a fake name. Who is named Tamara Kem? That's oh, a- yeah, I said Tamara. It probably is Tamara with those two R's. So Tamara Kemsley uh, noted that there's sort of a rising phenomenon of LDS influencers on Instagram. These are people who do things like, you know, record posts about their home improvement. And these aren't like, you know, professional remodelers. They're, they're, they're not Chip and Joanna Gaines by any means. Although they did get a shout out in the article. That's probably the best part of the article when they mentioned Fixer Upper. Well, not but, everyone um, can, have a, can have a silo. You gotta have silos. That's right. That's right. You can, you can refurbish your own silo. Um, but anyway, so there's this uh, couple that are, are like remodeling their house and just posting videos and, you know, you know, how to's and stuff as they do so. And they've garnered a pretty big following, even though they're not professional by any means. There's another woman who uh, gives marriage and family sort of, I guess, advice or tips. I don't know. I don't, I, I hesitate to call it counseling. Cause it's not like a one-on-one licensed you're in, you know, in at someone's office sort of thing. Anyway, so they've, there's a few LDS, uh, people who have become pretty big influencers uh, as far as, you know, getting the up to the hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, and it's talking, the article kind of zeroes in on how they've been able to use this following, not just to promote themselves and make some money, but to also share the gospel. And, you know, like the one, the woman who is, uh, you know, gives that marriage and family, type advice she said that you know you know she'll get the direct messages and people will say well you know i, I really want to know like why are you how are you so happy and how, how do things go so well and she says it's because of my faith and she even uh wait I, won't, I don't remember if it was her some one of these people actually sent a book of mormon a copy of the book of mormon to uh one of their followers who had asked questions about it and that person got baptized and so you know it, it was some really that's some, cool yeah. yeah there were some good yeah. feel-good stories about yeah. using your position of influence as a social media influencer to share glad tidings, right? And to share the, spread the good news and the restoration of the gospel and the Book of Mormon. And but at the end of the article, it was interesting because they kind of threw a little curveball in there. And they're like, you know, there are some questions that people have about, you know, mixing sort of this capitalist, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say it wrong. Hang on, let me see if I can find what they say. You, you talk while I skim this article. I'm trying to, <laughs> I mean, I think what you're getting at is how, how do we feel that we're essentially peddling a business that's for our personal benefit and sometimes even livelihood. Right. Is that, you know, okay. is that the, is that the focus of it or is the focus on trying to spread the gospel? And while it's okay to have sort of a tangential ancillary benefit, which might be like you said, sharing the gospel. Right. So where, where is part, your heart? And all right. That? And the part that, uh, st- that was sticking out to me in it, and I remember why it stuck out to me actually, this is they quoted uh, Christine Hagland, who's, Wonderful LDS scholar. You can follow her on Twitter. She's great. Uh, so Christine Hagland, they quote her saying that uh, while the women she studied may view their platforms, quote, as part of a performance of a religious commitment, what they display is sometimes hardly distinguishable from an embrace of American consumer culture and commitment right uh, to self-expression. Um, I think there was a typo in there. Anyway, the, the point being that like, yeah, I mean, is this, a gospel message or is this an American consumer message? And I, and I, I don't think the two things have to be mutually exclusive, but I do think that there gets to be, it start, it can get to be a little murky once you start to blend of the two. Right. Yeah, for sure. 
anyway, it was an interesting article. It is. It is. It is. I'm, it was I'm food, kind of food for thought. I left it. I left it with the sort of same taste in my mouth. Like I feel like the article in many ways, even though it did talk about some of the the questions there, it seemed to kind of greatly approve of what influencers were doing. Broadly speaking, it seemed like it was a ringing endorsement of this. Well, if people are getting baptized, the ends justify the means, right, Jeff? Yeah, well, you know, sure, sure. I mean, until t- I tell those people, what are all the famous Mormon legend stories like in the UK when they were playing baseball games with kids and baptizing them afterwards? Like, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> you've all you've all heard those old LDS myths and le- legends and what have you of crazy tales of everyone getting baptized without any preparation just so numbers could get boosted. Who knows which ones have truth and which ones don't? I don't tell us in the comments of this episode, but... Uh, yeah, good times. So speaking of influencers, I spent some time this evening with influencers. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we talked Does that about mean you're an influencer, Jeff? I believe officially, well, I don't know. They, they refer to us as influencers and content creators. So I feel like all influencers are content creators. And so if they're bothering to say influencers and content creators, it means you're someone who creates content without any influence, which I'm assuming that's what I am. So okay. uh, that's fine. I influence no one uh, in any capacity whatsoever. I just make stuff, in this case, MP3s that all of you are nice enough to stream or download. Uh, so what I was at was the uh, Light the World uh, kickoff event. I loved this because these have gone on for years and I've never been able to take part in them because they hold them somewhere in you know Salt Lake City uh, and just sort of take it as a given that most of the influencer community is there and they can come in and they have a whole night. They have dinner and talk and you know people show important VIPs show up and they talk about the Light the World campaign for the year. Because we're on like year five of Light the World now. If you remember, for many years, the Christmas effort of the church was different every year. It was a different hashtag, different focus. But ever since they sort of honed in on light the world, that's just, that's what we do now. And we find different ways to do it, but that's what we do now. So this was cool that they did it instead. An upside, if you will, to the pandemic is we did it on Zoom. And so any of us from all around the world were able to participate equally, which was kind of nice, honestly. And it made me think about the many other things we've been doing this year that we couldn't do otherwise because of Zoom. Like how many, you know, baby blessings, for example, before it was just, if you're in person at the church, then great, you can take part in it. Otherwise, you're out, you know? But now so many things that we do can be done remotely. A baptism can be done and people across the world could watch it. Anyway, so this is cool. We got together with the influencers and the fine people of Boncom which handles much of the church's uh, PR efforts. We met with, uh, oh, who was there? We had you know John Boswell, who's the director of finding from the missionary department. That's a title, by the way, director of finding. Huh. Uh, and Tom Pratt, who is the uh, mass finding manager of the missionary department, uh, both of whom show up in a video, although I'll talk about in a few minutes. But we talked about the campaign, what's going on in 2020, what to expect. Uh, they recapped the Give Thanks campaign a little bit which was a, a huge success. And a lot of us talked about that and how, how wonderful it was, even if though it was only you know, a week and a half or so tops. Uh, not that we're ceasing to give thanks, but the campaign itself is essentially over. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later too. Um, obviously, some things have changed. We've talked about how the giving machines have been suspended this year, which is unfortunate. Uh, they but do it's have available launch- online, right? Isn't that what you, Devin, talked about? They're available online, but it's not like... In the, I think it's more you can just give to... Uh, charity partners. As far as I know, they have not created the giving machines in a virtual capacity. Okay. So I can't say like, oh, I'm buying a goat. You can't do that. No, you can't buy a goat. Um, So other than that, lots of things we focused on were, for example, the daily service prompts. And this is something I I didn't know how much people cared about this. Uh, Jared, have you taken part in the daily service prompts that come from the Light the World campaign where the church somehow contacts you via the medium of your choice? to remind you to give service during this month? Yeah, I did. I remember signing up for it last year and uh, I don't I, I don't know that I always every day did them, but I was at least <laughs> receiving them. <laughs> so it was kind of cool. They even pulled us like, how are, are you guys receiving this? How are you getting it if you are receiving it? Um, and of those there, of the influencers, most 80% uh, liked it over text notifications, which I don't typically like. I'm better, I want daily emails or social media channels or things like that. But uh, that's going to be an initiative once more. You can go to comeuntochrist.org slash light the world slash service prompts SMS. We'll link to it on the website. If you want to sign up uh, for SMS pings throughout December to be involved and donate your time or means, 
uh, to help other people. And that's also something that Sister Joy D. Jones, the primary general president, who is sort of the keynote speaker, uh, spoke about the the value of service, of being light. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. She told the story about a few years ago, she was speaking in Cardiff, Wales, which is the capital of Wales. And uh, they toured this old mine in Cardiff, Wales. And if you know much about Wales, Wales is famous for a, a pretty significant mining community. It's like the West Virginia of the United Kingdom. Don't tell them that. But... <laughs> So there were children whose job down there was to open various doors and ensure ventilation. And they just, you know, this is before, of course, before child labor laws and things like that. And these children spent significant amounts of time underground, you know, days on end, weeks even, just being underground. And what happened to them over time, of course, is what happens to all these other animals that live in a subterranean environment, right? They lose their eyesight. You know, it goes away. They had no light in their life, no actual sunlight, no light helping them. And so they were therefore unable to see after the fact. And I'm sure you can see the metaphor there about how all of us need light, how the world needs light, and we can be light. And similarly to what President Nelson said uh, in his Give Thanks video uh, about gratitude, she talked a lot about how volunteering can ease symptoms of stress and depression, how volunteering within our community can make you feel more grateful and, and make you happier, honestly. And 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 that's not just a gospel principle. That's, you know, there's scientific evidence to support that. And I thought it was interesting. She also spoke about narcissism and the story of Narcissus from whence the tale comes. It's an old Greek story, I believe, where uh, Narcissus saw a reflection of himself in the water and fell in love with himself. And that's where the term narcissism actually comes from. Um, so as influencers, whether you're listening to the show or if you have a social media channel, whatever that might be, you can all influence she noted that social and society come from the same Latin root word, which means sharer. So we're all sharers. So we can think about what we're sharing this holiday season uh, in order to uh, to light the world. And I'm just kind of I'm just kind of giving you a recap of things to expect. What's cool though is they also premiered a, uh, a behind the scenes video. If you remember the video, the Christ Child from last year, which I think is probably the best nativity video I've ever seen. Uh, and that was that extremely well done one that was in Aramaic, and it was just great, very well done. Um, we don't get a new video along those lines, but instead we get a behind the scenes video of the making of it, which was actually pretty interesting. And uh, that's available right now. That wasn't just exclusive to us. You can go and, and find that on YouTube and on Facebook. And we'll embed it uh, with this episode if you want to go to thisweekinmormons.com and just, just watch it there so you don't have to search around. Cool to see, hear how they went about making that video. And I thought it was interesting is the actor who plays Jesus in the Bible videos was like the director or something along those lines. He was heavily involved in making the entire film. So Everything comes full circle. It's all part of the family. So that's kind of my readout. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping everybody can be excited to light the world. Also, on December 14th, there's going to be some sort of 45-minute sing-along social video thing that's happening. What, that's, what's, the, what's the official title of it? It's called Social Sing and Serve. Yeah. That's, so, that's mostly all I know, but that's going to that's gonna be a thing. It's just Look funny because like, when you say that, it makes me think of like, like, a, like a radio special that Bing Crosby would have hosted or something. Like... Come join us for our social sing and serve. You know, like it just sounds very 1940s for some reason to me. It makes me think of a sing along at the Hollywood Bowl or something like that. But yeah, 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 yeah it does. So that a lot of details were missing about that. But keep an eye out in about two weeks. That's going to be a thing, everybody. Um, also, if I can plug, because Light the World's a great. There's a reason it's worked so well, right? It's it's a great idea. Uh, three years ago, we published a daily blog because back then for Light the World, they in, they included um, scripture references for each day, all the way leading up to Christmas, each day of December. Uh, we published a great series of 25 different blog posts focusing on each one of those at the time. We're going to be resharing those every day. Uh, if, so if you follow us on Facebook, we're going to have them scheduled up so you can follow along. I mean, they're three-year-old posts, but the principles, as it works with the gospel, it turns out, you know, are eternal and can be shared three years later and still have meaning. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to revisit those and check them out because I, I was reading through them the other day. and I loved all the great things that our different contributors put out there, just terrific stories uh, and a lot of uplift on ways that we can help you know other people. So keep an eye out for that and uh, light the world season is upon us, my friend. It is here. It's exciting. I, I think it's good. You know, you and, um, you and Devin talked last week about the the give thanks um, yeah, social yeah, yeah. media movement that uh, President Nelson invited us to to participate in, and, and, and you know it, it is interesting, and I and you know I, I'm glad that you guys addressed that the some of the con like just you know some of the concerns I guess for lack of a better word that some people have with that that 
It may, you know, alienate people who are not LDS, but know a lot of LDS people or who were formerly LDS. Um, and I, and I don't know, I, I think I can see that side of it. I definitely have some friends that I saw on Twitter and Facebook who reacted a little negatively. It just felt a little, uh, you know, like it's like that tuba meme that you shared. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I was really glad to see so much light, like so much, you know, it's, it's been a tough year and it was nice to see a lot of uplifting, uh, posts and people reflecting on just good things in their lives and the things that they're grateful for. And I, and I feel kind of similar about light the world. I know some people, you know, will, you know, do their best to mute the light the world hashtag, uh, because, you know, it's hard on them for whatever reason. And, and I, and I get that. And I think, you know, whatever you need to do to enjoy the, the season. I think you should do that. Uh, but I, I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's a good way to um, sh- spread light. And like, you know, especially, you know, that's sort of, you know, <sighs> without going like into full details, I mean, that's sort of the history of why we have Christmas, uh, a Christmas season in the dark of winter, right? Because like it's, the days get darker and darker and shorter and shorter. And especially when you're in like Northern European climes, things can get feel really bleak. And so our ancestors came up with these festivals and celebrations and feasts to try and bring some light back into the darkness and to try and warm themselves against the cold. And I think, you know, so it's very appropriate for us to try and light the world in, in a very metaphorical, but also literal way to try and, you know, lighten people up, like shine real light into the darkness that we're experiencing. So the, the, I, don't, the, the, I, I appreciate it. I was going to say, the Northern European analogy is interesting. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, when I was living in Scotland, yeah, in the winter, it gets light at like nine in the morning and it's getting dark by like 3.30 and it's crazy. Yeah, and, and it uh, could feel kind of bleak and so no wonder. And you can, well, no wonder yeah, they, yeah. they drink so much in Scotland, but <laughs> also. <laughs> that's just because they're, no, that's just because they're jolly. They're right, fun. right, right. You know, but you know, but then also, but yeah, yeah, so they, they're thought. having, you know, that, you know, you, you throw a Yule log on because it, it brings light and warmth into, the, you know, it's, it's, it's all very, a lot of these traditions are very purposefully uh, centered around warmth and light. So anyway. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with you. I think the Give Thanks was great. Um, and we talked about it, like you said, a lot last week, so I won't beat it down, but I do think well, the, the thing I really came to understand is there's a fine line between offering up gratitude and boasting. And, yeah. And, and, and that's one of the, um, what's the word again, I, I guess for lack of a better word, that's one of the concerns that I saw that you know, some people, I, I and, and again, understandably so were worried that this was more of like a performative religion type thing. Yeah. Uh, meaning like there, there isn't really a lot of soul behind it that some people are just like, look, I did the hashtag. That means I'm following the prophet. That means I'm all good. You know, like, and so, you know, if, and yeah, I mean, and I don't think that most people were doing that, you know, if, if you, you know are. what else was bad though, there were people who, of course, of course we did. Right. Who appropriated it for political means. Oh, um, really? I straight up saw posts that were just saying things like, you know, like literally hashtag give thanks. And it's like about something Trump did or this it's, well, I saw things yeah, on the folks, folks, side of it too. Like, you know, I, like I didn't Trump see anything lost, on the button. hashtag give things. I definitely Yeah, which is also not Right. Yeah, also not not great. I mean, I know that that's totally fine to have your personal feelings about it, but uh, I think it's better to focus on the and you know, I think listeners know where I stand on that. I I I I feel the feelings about that. I feel a great sense of gratitude that the election went the way it did. But um yeah, I think maybe we can try to focus in better areas, but I'm like, I, said, well, I, I think it was great to see. I hope we don't stop. You but know, on the I other side of that, I remember again, I, I, I uh, thinking back to, you know, what you and Devin talked about and he, and he was talking about how he thought it was kind of like, what was it? Somebody said, like, was talking about bread or something like that. And all the different, like they were so grateful for bread and they were like, good, thanks. And then, and, and, but then you've kind of followed up and said, well, like, I'm really grateful for food. <laughs> like you were talking about all of the food pictures you had in your, uh, Google photos and like, I don't know. I mean, so like, while, yeah, I think we should be careful not to like go overtly political and like make sure we're making tasteful remarks when we do things like that. On the other hand, I think, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of feeling frivolous either. Like I'm really grateful for food too. I'm grateful for bread and I'm grateful for fiction and sci-fi books and TV shows. I'm grateful for, 
you know, all sorts of kinds of music that other people might say like, wow, you should, that that's not an appropriate hashtag give thanks. Not, we, he wasn't talking about, they might be giants. Like, I am know. thankful for KMFDM. Right. And, you know, and, so whatever. But, so I, I think we're all allowed to be thankful for whatever we're thankful for. And, I yeah. thought of a, I thought of one that today actually that I was realized I'm thankful for. I didn't want to post about it because I don't know. It just seemed bizarre, but I'm super thankful that when we bought a minivan a couple years ago, I did bother to buy one that had a power rear lift gate because that's not a thing on every trim level of every make and model of minivan. Mm -hmm. And in the time of COVID, it sounds like a minor thing, but even as much as being able to like pull up to target for drive up and just pop my hatch behind me and they drop it in there and mind their own business and that's it. If I didn't have a power lift gate, I'd be like, you know, it would be a whole different process. That's a super minor, like first world problem kind of thing. Um, but even that, I'm very grateful for power lift gates. I've done, I've used it extensively during the pandemic to pick up various things and not have to, and maintain social distance, you know, while doing so. And it's just been very useful. Just Hashtag give thanks. Yes, exactly. Hashtag give thanks. Well, so let's let's give let's give one more dissenting voice a little bit of time because I think you and I both kind of reacted similarly okay. to this article. So, so this is in the Tribune, uh, the Salt Lake Tribune, for those of you. Uh, who are not familiar with uh, the Utah area newspapers. So this is by uh, another person with a name that stretches credulity, Tamson Malloy. Sorry, Tamson. I know you have, it's your real name, but we're just not used to things, names like Tamson and Tamara, where we were raised. Um, so she, she wrote this uh, sort of op-ed piece uh, that says, gratitude is nice, but it isn't enough. And her take on it was that like, She's like, you know, I went through PTSD and I did keep a gratitude journal and I still like things got worse before they got better. Like, you know, she's saying like, you know, um, what did she say? She's like, counting your blessing makes makes a nice Bean Crosby song, but it doesn't end a pandemic. When a virus is killed, as of this writing, a quarter million people nationally, 1.34 million people globally, a hashtag isn't enough. And so, and then it's like, and when a significant number of church members don't follow COVID prevention guidelines to talk about gratitude is cold. And her point is taken, right? Like, you know, hashtag give thanks doesn't solve everything. And yes, people do need to like wear masks and socially distance and, you know, all those best practices. But the thing is that as I read that and as she went through and kind of expanded upon that criticism, my main takeaway sort of critique was that like, it seemed like she was saying that was all president nelson thought we needed to do that that us focusing on being more grateful and expressing our gratitude would somehow solve all the problems and that's not what he said he said the exact opposite even he said he essentially said being thankful is going to like make our problems go away it's not going to make things less difficult necessarily but it's going to give us perspective and help us weather storms better i'm, I'm paraphrasing but um, right and, yeah, and, and you know, and and he even you know, I, like talked about being grateful for researchers and you know, and medical professionals and the people who were working on solutions and vaccines. And as he was talking about you know, being grateful for the solutions and the and the things that we do to protect each other, they had a video of a woman putting a mask on, and like, you know, I mean, you know, he could have taken it a step further and said, by the way, brothers and sisters, wear a mask. I mean, you know, he could have done that, but he didn't. But still, the messaging of the video was very much centered on. Be grateful, express gratitude, and while you're doing that, we're going to keep on working as hard as we can to like overcome this and actually resolve the issues. You know, so I don't know. Like it felt, it felt uh, again. I, her point was taken, and she admits she said I've separated myself from the church, so she's you know coming at it from an outsider's perspective. But still, it kind of felt like she missed. The, to me, it seemed like she missed the central point. Well, I think her entire thesis is is wanting because of this, right? Because yeah, her her whole the whole piece is a great piece about everything you said. And so I just, I don't, the whole time I read it, I said, I'm exactly with you, Jared. Like there are some fair points here, but the problem is your, your major argument is that Latter-day Saints are just saying, if we show gratitude, everything's going to get better magically. It's a bit of a straw man, isn't it? Like she's, yeah. And I just, this idea of what, what president Nelson, what she said he was saying or what Latter-day Saints were doing. And, and whereas the, the reality is can be. And what, and what frustrates me especially is because a lot of trib readers will read that and use it as, as an excuse to be mad about the church. And I'm sure you'll read, I'm sure there are plenty of comments there in the op-ed that are just, you know, that'll rip on the church in one way or another, as if her comments are 
you know, well-founded, which I just don't think they are. Right. And, and that's, and then that, that, that hurts the trip's credibility, which it does get hurt in the eyes of a lot of active Latter-day Saints, for example. So it's just, you know, why carry stuff like this? I know it's just an opinion piece and that's fine, but it's missing some arguments. Well, that's okay. Uh, let's see here. If we can continue, uh, I'm going to talk about something that is very, very important to me. So important, Jared, that I use two adverbs in a row to describe it. The church has yet to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. And if you wonder what on earth I'm talking about, that's totally okay, because you'd have every reason to do so. So I don't know the actual history of this because I couldn't find tons and tons of examples. But in recent history of presidential election cycles, uh, after a winner has been declared, typically within you know a day at max, uh, the church has come out, the first presidency, and issued a statement pretty boilerplate congratulating the you know the victor on a hard-fought campaign and stressing the importance of the tenets of democracy and that we pray for those in public office and uh, and of course commending the individual who lost as well and saying the democratic process is very important and we pray that everyone will have wisdom and judgment and and the blessings from on high as they lead okay it's it's they said this about Donald Trump they said it when Barack Obama defeated Mitt Romney's challenge in 2012 so I'm not saying it's the longest standing tradition because literally if you try to find them issuing something about even like George Bush, I couldn't find anything. So I'm not sure. But if that is the case, and this is what we're doing nowadays, they have not done this for Joe Biden, um, which I think does raise a few eyebrows. The election was called nearly a month ago. And, and called repeatedly after that, after the several, and called, several and recounts. And we fully understand that calling the election is typically a media exercise. Once everyone's seen the electoral math, they call it. The actual process for finishing the election is a whole different thing, of course. And we've seen more of that this year because of the way things have gone in the wake of the election, what we're actually learning about when, when a state is certifying its results. Four years ago, were you paying any attention to when you know Nevada certified its results? No, you didn't care. You just knew that you know, you knew that Hillary Clinton won Nevada. That's all you knew, right? Um, but this year, we're hearing a lot more about the process. And so that's good for education, frustrating because some of the efforts to undermine the process are a whole different thing. But um, the point is, we've had a declared winner. It did come many days later. This was a, this was slower because of COVID. But we have a declared winner. So it just makes us wonder, why has the first presidency not said anything? And I fully admit, this doesn't really affect my day. This doesn't affect Joe Biden's presidency. I don't think anyone's walking around wondering why they haven't done this already, but I do think it's worth exploring at least just, well, why not? Why would they not have done this if they've been doing it in the past? It's a nice formality. It's just, it's just a little bit of diplomacy from Salt Lake reminding, you know, the, the body of the church that democracy is important and it's important to pray for our leaders and move forward. And it's also, I think, a good reminder to the U.S. government that Latter-day Saints are a happy, involved community and we are your friends and, you know, please don't make us start paying, a, you know, income tax as a church and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I just, I, I've, I'll, you can only theorize about this. I mean, I've already seen people comment today since we posted this and they've said, well, the electoral college hasn't voted, but well, they didn't vote four years ago. That always comes in December. So that argument's out the window. Of course they haven't voted yet. Um, it's not like they waited for states to certify the results either. That hasn't been a thing. Uh, I, I I wonder if they're holding off because of just some of the controversy around hotly contested states like Pennsylvania and Georgia. Right? You know, are they not Are they not wanting to put off the upset members of the church in somewhere like Arizona in particular uh, that have their feelings about whether the election was rigged and part of a globalist conspiracy and all that kind of stuff? And the church just doesn't want to appear like it's wading in on the issue. Uh, I really I think if there's anything here, it could be because. Donald Trump has yet to concede. Yeah, I think that is, I mean, from what I saw from comments and arguments people were making, that that to me was the, the best explanation. I think that makes sense because once someone has conceded, that means I don't, you know, I don't think like you sign a form that says like, I am out of the race and therefore no one else is running and that's why there's a winner. But uh, at the same time, it kind of clears the runway, so to speak. You know, I mean, Hillary Clinton did concede the next morning. She conceded and that was it, right? Donald Trump was president, right. going to be president, and that was that. So right. Trump has not conceded. The issue here, of course, is that it's highly unlikely Trump is going to concede at any point before right. b- before January 20th. So like, where does that leave us? Do they not issue a statement until January 20th? Do, January 19th do, at midnight. Or like, something like that. Like, yeah. like, at what point do we decide 
to congratulate Joe Biden on winning the election. Um, yeah. I don't think well, Church is going to ignore him because he's a Democrat or anything like that. I mean, no. the first presidency met Obama. I mean, Biden even came to the offices of the of the apostles five years ago when he was vice president. They're not yeah. going to do that. They would never do that. Well, no, um, because as we all know, Jeff, being a member of this church has zero to do with American political parties. Right. Sure. So, yeah, I, sure. I, I mean, I know you and I know that, but maybe it bears repeating for some people who have forgotten that fact about our religion. You can be a Democrat and be a member of the church and be a good member of the church. And you can be a Republican and be a good member of the church. You can be, I would say, in the quorum of the 12 apostles and be and identify as a Democrat. Like all of those things are true statements. So all these things are. Fun. So why would it matter? Why would it matter if it was Biden or Obama or Trump or Bush or whoever? Like, the, the, you know, if the if if the church, if the first presidency and quorum of the 12 are going to you know, officially congratulate a candidate is going to have zero to do with what party they come from. So, Oh yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's just diplomacy. It's a, it's a formality. It's just a nice thing that we do to just express our best wishes like anyone else has done. The thing to remember though, is many other institutions have congratulated Joe Biden, including the Pope, his spiritual leader, right? Right. I mean, others have recognized this, but the church still hasn't. Uh, I think like we just said, I, if uh, it's the, uh, concession issue might be the I think it is and so the biggest one so it doesn't seem like they're political like if, if they were yeah. weighed in right well, now one of the commenters on Facebook pointed out that you know they, they looked at the dates you know the date you know when the when those congratulations came out and each in each case it came out the day after the losing candidate had conceded and yeah. so it was very much tied to the concession and so I wonder if you know because and I mean and then you know everything that you were saying before about how it's been really interesting because we're watching the uh, certification process and everything, like the reason why we're, do- we're we were so intent on watching this certification process, is because Donald President Donald Trump has not conceded the election yet, and so I think it makes sense if there's any reason, uh, you know, if if they were intending to give a congratulations to the winner of the election, and and if there's any you know reason that they haven't, even though they were intending to, it's got to be, I, I think, because it hasn't been a concession yet, and they, you know, you don't I, think it's because of. Um, oh, sorry. My, of my, uh, my third idea, my other option. What was the other option? Option three is simply that president Nelson's proven to be the kind of church leader who just likes to mix things up. Right. And so for all we know, letters along these lines just aren't his thing. Maybe they, yeah, maybe he wasn't life. even intending to weigh in at all. Yeah. Maybe they just like, we're not going to do this anymore because we congratulate the U S president, but we're not sending letters of congratulations out to every other head of state who gets right. like did Boris Johnson get a, get a congratulations. Yeah. One. You know, I mean, do they even, I mean, maybe an area presidency says something about Justin Trudeau securing another term up in Canada. Like we have no idea, but obviously it does stand out. Of course, the church is headquartered in the United States, right. but but it's like have if you send $5 in a birthday card to one nephew, you have to send one to every, you know. It, I mean, there's a fair argument to make about that. I think President Monson, or Monson, sorry, President Nelson, people are going to hate this, but he's shown himself to be something of a globalist, I think, during his time. You can, you know how many of his remarks he said, he's used the phrase, good global citizens? He said this many times. Can't believe he, he used gr- the G word, Jeff. I know. George Soros sponsors this podcast and the church. <laughs> so he... Like he said this many times, and clearly he has a vision of sort of decoupling the narrative from this being this American church, American church, American church. And some of that's just d- demography. That's changing just as time goes on, of course. That's different. It, all the way going up to leadership roles in the church at high, the highest levels. Uh, but I think this is something President Nelson cares about a great deal. And one simple way to make it so that America is no more special than anywhere else, just like we're doing with something like getting rid of the ensign, you know, in favor of the Leahona magazine would be just not doing this at all. Who cares? Just ignore it. You know, like mm. Joe Biden's no more special to the church than uh, the premier of Papua New Guinea, for example, right? Like they're all important to us because all we want to do is be able to preach the gospel freely. Build the kingdom and the kingdom does not know political boundaries. So, yeah. so anyway, there's a little bit of, of fun fussiness for you, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Let's let's completely change gears. This is just okay. This is maybe I was going to say lightning's up. But it's really not a light post, but it, it's just different Ooh. from the politics. So many of you, many of our listeners, will be familiar with Tyler Glenn. He's the lead singer for the Neon Trees, a Provo-based. Well, at, at least in the beginning, they were a Provo-based band that made it pretty big with a few hits. Tyler Glenn, famously formerly Latter Day Saint. Um, anyway, he had a stroke. Like how old is this guy? He's younger than me. 
Like he is, he's younger than me, I think. Even yeah. So yeah, Tyler Glenn had a stroke, and it was. I mean, it's a super interesting story, and it's so. And and you know, the thing is, I was thinking about after I read this. You know, it's funny because how much we fixate on celebrities, and a lot of people who listen to the show might be like, "Why are we even talking about Tyler Glenn? Who cares?" And here's why I care. Uh, aside from the fact that he's just you know a human being, and we should care about him, but also you know, regardless of of his celebrity status and how much he deserves celebrity status. When things happen to a celebrity, every once in a while, I think it's good that it brings uh, awareness to certain issues or to certain, you know, health conditions. In this case, you know, Tyler Glenn had a stroke and he didn't have sort of those normal stereotypical signs that you see of a stroke, like on a television show, like, like on a medical drama. You know that if the right side of a guy's face is drooping and his speech starts to slur and he's like, you know, getting dizzy, they're like, oh, those are the signs of a stroke. So he woke up one morning and he had a little foggy area in his right eye. Like he it wasn't completely blind. There was just this fogginess in the center of his field of vision. And it was, he said, it was, is it something resembling a grayish cloud was obstructing my vision? And he thought nothing of it. And he thought, you know, I'll just wait for this to get better. And he went the whole day with like this and he woke up the next morning and it hadn't gone away. So he said, oh, I guess I'll go to a doctor. And the doctor said, you have a retinal occlusion and it was caused by a stroke and you need to go to the hospital right now. And that's, I just, so I'm grateful that he shared that experience and that we're aware of it. Cause it's like maybe one of our listeners or maybe one of the readers of the desert news or someone, some other major news outlet is going to read that. And then someday either have a retinal occlusion or know somebody who does and say, Hey, that might be a stroke. Get that checked out. I mean, I just can't imagine. I mean, he's got to be in his mid thirties, right? Or even early thirties. And he had a stroke anyway. So I'm, it sounds like he's doing okay, which I'm grateful for. And I'm also, like I said, I'm grateful he shared his experience because this is important information. Um, everybody take care of yourselves, be aware of what's going on in your body. And if something feels wrong, get it checked out. Boom. Thank you for that. Jerry. Yeah. No, thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you, Deseret News. And thank you, Tyler Glenn. Uh, also, at the bottom of that article, there's a great link to a. The, here's the full list of living Jedi at the time of the Mandalorian. So, you know, for you Mando watchers, and Jared, I bet you're one of them. There we go. I am. I'm a little bit behind, so I haven't. Okay, I, I, I stay encounter the Jedi yet. So I spoiler. will say nothing to you. Uh, however, what's also gone down recently? So we've known this whole during this entire pandemic, we kept closing temples down for a while, and then little by little, every Monday there has been a notification on my church news app about temples reopening and what status. Some going to phase two, which allows for more, you know, other ordinances, uh, some opening up for the first time, et cetera. I don't think anyone got to phase three. Anyway, we have the unfortunate news this week that I believe for the first time, even though we're opening two South American temples to reopen because of COVID-19 conditions, we are pausing quote unquote, or downgrading 15 other temples status in uh, the US, Canada, Mexico, England, and Australia. So what that means is the temples entering phase one are the Barranquilla, Colombia Temple and the Caracas, Venezuela Temple. And then Guatemala City, Guatemala is going to phase two. But temples being downgraded from phase two to phase one because of local conditions are basically every temple in Canada. Most of them are in Calgary, Cardston, Edmonton, uh, Regina, and Vancouver. So all the non-Ontario and East temples, I suppose. Uh, and then, unfortunately, ten temples are being paused in operations. That's even worse than phase one. They're just right because phase going from phase two to phase one means uh, so phase two means any living ordinance, right? So if you are going to get receive your endowment, you know that's permissible under phase two. Phase one is just ceilings, right? So like yeah. live yeah. live ceilings. So if you are planning to get married and you want to go have a ceiling, they'll admit a small number of people to go witness your ceiling. But yes. yeah, pause means they're not even doing phase one ceilings, right? Yeah. And that's and this is this covers a lot of interesting places. You got Adelaide, Australia, Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, Colonia Juarez, uh, basically every temple in California, it seems, Fresno, Newport Beach, Oakland. Okay, not every temple, that's three out of like eight. But uh Philadelphia, great for me here. That's our closest one. Bye bye. Uh the Preston England Temple, London England Temple, Halifax, Nova Scotia. So that's this is this is a, a bit of a retro session at this point, and and that's a little it's it's unfortunate it's not surprising I kind of wondered when it was going to come to this with the way COVID is surging now and might unfortunately be doing so through the winter because once again folks just because they've announced some some promising vaccines you don't stop 
you keep doing all the good things you need to do. The vaccine's not going to get us out of the woods for another like nine months in a best case scenario. But this is where we're at uh, with these temples. And I would not be surprised if uh, that list grew of temples kind of falling back a grade or two uh, again next week. But that's unfortunate news. You know, we've been trying to keep these things open, even in this very limited capacity. Imagine it being so bad that we can't leave it open for phase one, which is literally just getting married. Right. I and mean, it's not even like no, having no. a full ceiling with like all 40 of your favorite relatives. It's like, you know, they, they, these, these were ceilings where you basically were able to have like, you know, each part, each person in the, you know, who's, you know, who's getting sealed to each other, you know, maybe gets, maybe get like six people each, you know, so maybe like parents and a couple siblings, so it's, yeah, it's not even like these were like big old ceilings. These were just very small, social, like socially distanced to the capacity that they could within the temple. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they had still only been allowing even one couple in the temple at the time. My cousin got married a few months ago. Under yeah, you got to wait. You got to wait outside until... The- you have to wait outside. And then when, yeah. the, when one couple is done, you are then admitted and you are the only people in the temple doing that at that time. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, things... Yeah, like I said, things must be pretty bad if they to not even be able to do that. It's sad. But, you know, I, I do believe hope is... Around the corner, we keep seeing good news about vaccines. Uh, yeah, well, sure. and you know, applying for FDA approval. So I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, within the next, you know, by by this time next year, we'll be saying, oh man, remember when we had to pause temple work? Whew. Anyway, yeah, this can't uh, go on quick, forever. I, I'm curious because you did you mentioned you know Philadelphia being your closest temple, and it occurred to me, you know, so I obviously I know you know we've mentioned a couple of times I no longer live in the DC area, but so we were supposed to. It, there was a scheduled open house for the fall. I mean, they were planning on doing the open house and then redecoration. Oh, for DC? Yeah, by the end of the yeah. year. Yeah. And so my question is, I, I'm assuming the work, the, the actual physical work on the building is done. So, I mean, do we know, have they postponed because they want, they don't want to have to cancel like the open house with the walkthrough? I mean, it's, it's a, it's the temple that serves the nation's capital. So I'm assuming that they there's a lot of value or perceived value in having an open house and having people who live in the DC area and the surrounding uh, environs being able to come and see the temple. I mean, is that your take on it? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's, we've talked about this, I think a little bit in the past. Yeah. So yeah. the temple, the work on the temple has been done since September and cause it was originally slated to start the VIP tours at the end of September. But yeah, they postponed it. There is no date for when it will come back, um, but obviously no time in 2020. Uh, some of the word on the street has been maybe March for the open house, but I don't know how stuff's going. It might be later than that. And uh, and like you said, it, it is. It's a, it's a huge PR uh, boon for the church in order to do this. Because in theory, yes, they could just go and dedicate the temple so we'd have an open temple. And because and out here, we're handling it decently. I, I don't know what's going on in Philly, but... Maryland, Virginia, not terrible. Still certainly an issue, but I think we could swing it to keep the temple open in some kind of capacity. But the the PR missionary benefits, you know, far outweigh uh, I guess the upside of letting people come in and get married, which is still well, a good thing. It's super interesting to have the prospect of like, you know, even having like a sitting president of the United States uh be able Of to- course that's what they want. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here, Jared. I am convinced the pandemic is what it is. Everyone's going to hate me for this, but I don't care. It has been what it is to del- specifically to delay the dedication of the open house of the Washington DC temple until Donald Trump is out of office. That, that is why this is happening. Everyone, this whole oh, thing, what this whole thing, <laughs> the, China, ridiculous. The, the China virus. You don't know Jeff. I'm going to interject here and say he's not serious. <laughs> not real. I, I actually was thinking. I was like, it's a shame. I think it would have been cool. I, I think. I think it would have been nice to have Donald Trump be able to experience the inside of a temple because you know I'm sure he would still be invited. You know, as a as a an emeritus. Do we use the word emeritus? What's the word? Former president. We just say, we just say former president. I think we should start president. using emer- emeritus though. That sounds more. Fun. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Anyway, as a former president, I'm sure he would still be invited. But I mean, he'll probably be back in New York or in Florida. And I, I don't kind of, I kind of wonder if he would come and, but yeah, I think he would have as the president, you know, living in the white house, but I, I don't know. I, I would, I would love for Donald Trump to be able to walk through the temple and I would feel, feel the feelings and see all the, the cool things that, you know, the, the beautiful inside interior of a temple, but Oh, well, who knows? Oh, well, maybe he will. Yeah. It is. It is most definitely not going to be reopened while he is president. Though. Oh no, no, no! I mean, I, I'm assuming like if we're waiting to be able to have a big on full open house, 
we're not going to see this happen until at least late summer next year because they're going to want a significant portion of the population to have been vaccinated so that it's a, you know, a safe thing to do. Yeah. It's just a bummer, man, because if it actually goes on that long late summer, that literally puts us almost a year later than when it was. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, just from what I've read, um, obviously, this isn't Mormon news, but like just from what I've read, just sounding like as far as like uh, production schedules and, you know, getting it uh, shipped out to and distributed in the most effective ways, you know, like normal people like you and me who aren't, you know, essential workers or, uh, you know, doctors and nurses and, you know, uh, people who are highly at risk like you and i i don't think we're going to see a needle in our arm until like june at the soonest so yeah you're probably right yeah well uh, speaking of weird things (laughs) that was a terrible segue but uh i want to talk about this this utah monolith i don't think it's worth talking about for too long but some of you may have seen this a strange metal obelisk appeared in like the middle of nowhere I land, love this and like federal it. land, federally, you know, um, uh, what's the word? Federally maintained. Uh, maintained. That's the word. Federally maintained land in the middle of nowhere in Utah. This weird metal obelisk, and people were calling it the monolith. And a lot of people, a lot of references were being made to 2001 Space Odyssey. It looked just like it. Well, it wasn't not? black. Like that one was like black, matte black. But this one. Oh, yeah. It's like, always about color with you, isn't it, Jared? I'm just saying it didn't look just like it. This was an obelisk, whereas that one was more of a. Re- it wasn't an obelisk. This was an obelisk. It was, I, thought this, I thought the one in Utah was also uh, rectangular. No, I thought, well, I thought it was an obelisk. Hang on. Let me look. I'm, I'm clicking on the thing. Oh, no, you're right. It is rectangular. So it's, yeah, it's very similar. The difference is. It is. A- this is more of a shiny chrome ish look, whereas the monolith of. Uh, 2001 Space Odyssey was matte black. So good. It's the greatest thing to happen. I think anyway, I think so, the, but honestly, nobody has taken credit for this. And then a few days after it appeared, it mysteriously disappeared. And no one has taken credit for taking it down either. Like nobody even just said like, oh, it was an eyesore or it didn't belong there. Like it's just, it just came and then it went. And the sad side of the story is that, you know, so some like these people who were doing, um, it was scientists who were doing research on bighorn sheep found it because they were flying a helicopter over this spot. And so they're the ones who noted it. They landed the helicopter. They were even like taking a look at it, trying to figure out what it was. So they took all these pictures and put them up on, you know, social media and stuff. And it, and they purposely didn't like, say this is where it was because they didn't want people to wander out there because it's very remote. And they said, it's not really accessible to normal hiking and vehicles and stuff. And yet people did figure out where it was. And enough people came out that the Bureau of Land Management was it commented, you know, that it was actually pretty sad. Like they could tell vehicles had parked on top of vegetation and, you know, killed things. Uh, there was garbage left behind at the side of the monolith, as well as human waste. So, yeah, congratulations, humanity. Thank you for letting us all down again. Great job, Utah. <laughs> I won't blame Utah. It's just whoever showed up in Utah. I mean, who else is coming there? People from Grand Junction. Okay, fine. We'll blame Colorado too. Thank you. But there you go. So anyway, so I, it's just such a funny story, though. It appears it disappears, and that's the thing too. Like people were showing up to like look at it and stuff. And so, how was it removed? Well, so stealthily, if people were like gathering to to hail the monolith. Like I don't know. I'll hail them. And the the funny thing is too, I believe some people looked at like old Google Maps imagery and it's been there for a while. They think that has actually been there for at least three or four years. Oh, really? At least, yeah. Something well, along the, those lines. The other found, odd thing about when it was removed, it what it didn't just disappear. In its place, a small uh like little three-sided pyramid was left that made apparently of the same material. So they took away the monolith and but then left a small little pyramid in its place. Like there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. If this is Banksy, I'm going to be so excited. Oh, man, it's probably this Banksy. It wasn't really his jam. Um, quick mentions here. The First Presidency sent out their Christmas message for Christmas time. And don't forget the, the First Presidency Christmas devotional is this weekend, of course, on Sunday. So you'll want to, Sunday the 6th, you'll want to tune in for that. Uh, it will be more like general conference, pre-recorded music and, you know, things along those lines. But it's going to be great. I love the, even if we're listening to recorded Christmas music from the Tabernacle Choir, that is better than no Christmas music from the Tabernacle Choir. So, it's true. 
And don't forget that also on that day, it will be the second Sunday of Advent. And the theme of the second Sunday of Advent is love. So concentrate. Who decides the theme? Who decides the love theme? Is there an Advent committee? So there are four traditional themes of Advent. And like uh, Eric Huntsman, again, I'm, I'm going completely off his book. And he points out, he's like different traditions present the themes in a different order. Like it's not set in stone and it's not even set in stone. Like there's different colored candles. Some people use four purple candles. Some people use a pink candle for the, the joy Advent Sunday. So it's like, you know, there's, there's some leeway, but according to the tradition that Eric Huntsman sets forth for, you know, that he suggests that Latter-day Saints might want to follow the second Sunday of Advent, the theme is love. So let's all just love, 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 love. Well, is that about it? That's about it. I quoted the Beatles and I've said my piece. So do we want to talk about, um, people also not understanding. You mentioned earlier you had to interject and say that I was joking about <laughs> pandemic and people not understanding that. If I can be so self-serving, this is like my my personal victory of the day. So earlier today, you know, when you're on Facebook and if you update your profile picture or if a page updates its picture, it shows up in your feed that just says whatever updated its picture, right? Um, that happens all the time. So in my feed popped up, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints updated its profile picture because what it did is it... Uh, got rid of the the green picture with the symbol for give thanks and went back to the standard blue. Basically meaning the official give thanks campaign is over. That's fine. Doesn't mean we stop giving thanks. It just means that campaign is done, especially because like the world is starting like now. So it'll probably change again. So um, all I did was jokingly put, we are done giving thanks and a winky face. To the the key there is the winky face. The, the winky, winky face, face is supposed to be in that post. It, it's supposed to be a giveaway, but apparently you have to hold people's hands because I can't. Uh, thank, thanks to the people who understood this was just a stupid tongue-in-cheek comment about this changing back, literally saying like, "We are no longer giving thanks. We are going back to standard church, everyone." But so, so I mean, this had what did I get? Seventy comments or something like that about people like, "No, we are never going to stop being thankful. Never, ever, ever." Well, Why to would be you fair, do this? to be fair, some of those 70 comments were people saying, hey, guys, I think he was joking. It looks like he was joking. Lay off. Hey, <laughs> so it's so. Uh, so anyway, I just, you know, dear flock, it's important to, uh, you know, just remember that we can joke about things and still appreciate that. Like we've said repeatedly on this, give thanks was wonderful. And I hope we keep giving thanks. Don't stop hashtagging. Give thanks. Give thanks. Do it. And just recognize that we can make, you know, fun jokes about i just i love reading you should never read comments about yourself when you're you know a huge public figure like i am but you're an uh, influencer you're an influencer i guess i'm an influencer oh it's just these things kill me i love all the people who are like i pray for you <laughs> just like, <laughs> thank you for your prayers people i appreciate it well the, oh. that, that, those kind of comments were more loving than others i saw some who, that were a little yeah mean, but and i was like hey come on people if, i mean you know they're like you know, hashtag give thanks, but also be hashtag be charitable. Like, like let's be loving to each other. You should res- please go back there and respond with just hashtag be charitable. Right. On all, every single one. I don't know. I, I, that would, it would, it would keep it going, man. I want to keep getting play out of this. It's so, you know, you know how we recently read about Mormon, how he's, he was still praying for the Nephites, but you know, he wasn't really, he'd kind of lost hope. He, his prayers were just yeah, going through. Yeah, the yeah. That's how I feel about uh, the commenters on social media. I, I, ah, have no, I have no desire to wade in. Cause I'm like, ah, they're past feeling. <laughs> and with that, everyone, please comment on this episode. <laughs> On our Facebook, you are past feeling, you monster. <laughs> Not um, you guys, just those other guys. Well, we, we certainly hope to hear from you. You can also send us an email, contact at thisweekinmormons.com. And as Jared mentioned earlier, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash thisweekinmormons. Uh, you can pledge a dollar or two a month. You know, chump change, hopefully, for many of you. And we recognize this is a difficult time for many. So obviously, you know, you do you. But if you have the means and the desire, we'd appreciate your support. That would be very wonderful of you. And we hope you just have a great kickoff to your Christmas season now. It's in full swing. The weirdest Christmas in a very, very long time for many. Indeed. So I think if we focus on the Savior and on Light the World, it'll make it all that much more uh, relevant and special. Anywho, so we're done. Jared. Love having you here, man. Thanks so much. Merry Advent. Merry Advent to you, Jeff, and Merry Advent to all our listeners. Do they actually say that? I think they say happy. I say it.
No, so, it's got to be like it's got to be like a British thing. You know, the Brits say "Happy Christmas," not "Merry sure. Christmas." I'm so assuming we say happy, "Happy Advent" or "Happy Advent." Obviously, "Happy Advent." Loving Advent. All hail the advent of the monolith. No, 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 no. That's not what we're doing here. <laughs> Does the monolith have an advent to go along with it? I don't know. We're 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 trying to be centered on Christ here. Let's let's not let's not bring the monolith into this. Oh, fine, but I like the monolith. All right. Well, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to listen. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, be well, be holy, and be happy. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Tis the season to be jolly. Don we now our bright apparel. Join the ancient yuletide carol.